It's October 20th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. The Guardian is reporting that Liz Truss's beleaguered government appeared at risk of collapse on Wednesday as Suella Braverman launched a stinging attack on the Prime Minister after being forced to resign as Home Secretary. Braverman's dramatic departure, coming just five days after Truss sacked her Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, risks the Prime Minister experiencing the sort of mass exodus of ministers that forced Boris Johnson to quit. Amid chaotic scenes in the Commons, it was reported that Wendy Morton, the Chief Whip, and her deputy, Craig Whitaker, had left the government. However, after hours of confusion, Downing Street released a statement saying the two remain in post. With Truss's authority visibly ebbing away, the renewed ministerial shakeup will reignite speculation about a potential leadership challenge from the right of the party. The Kiev Independent is reporting that Russian dictator Vladimir Putin signed a decree on October 19th imposing martial law in occupied areas of Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia oblasts following Russia's sham referendums there. According to the decree signed by Putin, proxies in the occupied Ukrainian territories will be able to tighten their control over public transport and critical infrastructure facilities, as well as to ban people from leaving. The decree also says that Russian forces will be able to relocate or deport the residents of the occupied territories. In response to Putin's announcement, Mikhailo Podolyak, an advisor to the president's office, said that it does not change anything for Ukraine. This martial law should be considered only as a pseudo-legalization of looting of Ukrainians' property, Podolyak said. This morning, according to Reuters, China defended its more assertive approach to foreign policy taken under President Xi Jinping and said its diplomats will dare to fight despite criticism that its so-called wolf-warrior stance can backfire on the world stage. Chinese diplomats in the UK are under scrutiny this week after a Hong Kong protester was seen being dragged into the Chinese consulate in Manchester on Sunday and assaulted in an incident which the police are investigating. To dare to fight is the spiritual character of Chinese diplomacy, said China's vice foreign minister, Ma Zhaozhu. As relations with the West have soured over issues of human rights to COVID, Chinese diplomats have, under Xi, become more assertive on the public stage. In my opinion, if the goal of diplomacy is to make friends and influence people, China's wolf warrior style is an utter disaster. This is because Chinese diplomats are more worried about their image at home than making gains for their country abroad. Other countries should take this as a warning, that career advancement based on ideological orthodoxy makes for bad policy outcomes. 
Elsewhere, supporters of a UN resolution that would demand an immediate end to violence and criminal activity in Haiti and impose sanctions on influential gang leader Jimmy Cherzier, nicknamed Barbecue, said Wednesday a vote had been delayed, according to reporting by the AP. The Security Council vote had been called for the afternoon, but key Security Council members confirmed the postponement for a few days. The sanctions measure is the first of two resolutions on Haiti, sponsored by the United States and Mexico, to be considered by the UN's most powerful body. A second resolution, which is still being worked on, would authorize an international force to help improve security in the country in response to an October 7th request from Haiti's Prime Minister, Ariel Henry. As reported by Deutsche Welle, negotiations on the formation of Italy's new government will kick off today, according to President Sergio Mattarella's office. Nationalist leader Giorgia Maloney is widely expected to become Italy's first female prime minister after winning a majority of the seats in Italy's general election in September. Under the Italian constitution, before the election winners can start the formation of a new government, Mattarella has to consult with the leadership of the main political parties. Mattarella will then appoint one person to lead negotiations, which is expected to be Maloney, as she is the favorite to become prime minister. The president's office said that Mattarella will invite opposition parties on Thursday today and is scheduled to meet with the leaders of the conservative bloc tomorrow. The new government is expected to be sworn in between Saturday and Monday. The Straits Times reports that Beijing has dialed up measures to stop COVID-19, strengthening public checks and locking down some residential compounds after a quadrupling of its caseload in recent weeks, just as a key Communist Party Congress entered full swing. The city of 21 million people on Thursday reported 18 new locally transmitted cases for the previous day, bringing the tally for the past 10 days to 197. That is four times more than the 49 infections detected in the previous 10-day period. In recent days, China has pledged to stick to its zero-COVID policy, despite growing public frustration with it and its toll on the economy quelling speculation that it would relax the hardline stance soon. According to The Nation, the death toll from an Ebola epidemic declared last month in Uganda has climbed to 44, the World Health Organization said yesterday. The WHO chief told a press conference in Geneva that there had been 60 confirmed and 20 probable cases, with 44 deaths and 25 recoveries. The previous death toll provided by the WHO on October 5th reported 29 fatalities. President Yoweri Museveni last week ordered two districts at the heart of the epidemic in central Uganda to be put under lockdown, imposing a travel ban, a curfew, and the closure of public spaces. Museveni has already ordered traditional healers to stop treating the sick in a bid to stop the spread of the virus. He also ordered the police to arrest anyone infected with Ebola who refused to isolate. In lighter news, the UPI reports that authorities responded to a plane that landed in Newark, New Jersey, after passengers on the flight from Tampa, Florida, found a snake on board. 
United Airlines confirmed Port Authority of New York and New Jersey officials and Newark Liberty International Airport Wildlife Operations staff were summoned to United Flight 2038 after the snake was spotted on the floor in business class while the flight was taxiing about 1.15 p.m. Monday. The serpent, identified as a harmless garter snake, was released outside the airport. Airport officials said the incident did not affect operations, but Netflix says snakes on a plane is now trending. Samuel L. Jackson cannot be reached for comment. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. This weekend, I speak with James Elder, the chief spokesperson for UNICEF, about the ongoing famine in Somalia. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.